Welcome to Street Smart Success, where real estate entrepreneurs share their backgrounds, experience, and lessons learned. This is Roger Becker, your host. Learn with me as I drill down with guests about their paths to success and what they're doing now. So today we have with us highly accomplished man who's done an incredible amount of stuff in the last handful of years, uh, a lot of it in the mobile home park space, but not just limited to that. He's also has experience with multifamily and some retail. He's going to tell a story, but he is like a bad out of you know what. Uh, he happens to be the managing director at Elevate Commercial. He is Dimitri Booker. Dimitri, welcome to Street Smart Success. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm loving it. Well, listen, Dimitri, if, if you had a moment, which I think you did, I, I could be wrong, but if you had a moment to listen to any of my podcasts, you know that I start with the where people start out in life because that's fascinating and it kind of it fills out a picture. And so you are going to be no different. So I know you're down there in the sunny side of the uh, Golden State opposite side of the state than me. But is that where you started? Where where did the Dimitri Booker story start? Yeah, Roger, thank you for the opportunity. So my story is unique. I was born and raised in Fresno, California, which is the central coast of California. And my background is whenever I walk our properties, I tell people I was that kid. Um, I grew up, you know, with no money. My dad was a, a janitor. In fact, I used to clean the classrooms um, clean my own classrooms um, uh, at night with my dad. And my dad used to tell me, hey, I want you to focus on education and I want you to change your path. So use this as a motivating factor when we're, you know, cleaning the toilets and the bathrooms of my own, my own um, classes that I was in. And so, so I was born and raised in Fresno, California. Um, I grew up later years in Palmdale, California. I was fortunate to get a, a football scholarship to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And my life was very similar to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I got to Cal Poly, I met a number of teammates, parents who were successful in real estate. And that was my change. That, that was my opportunity. And once I realized, you know, these families were wealthy and they, and they had um, a lot of stability, I spent my time in the off season and after games, hanging out with my friends, family. And from there, I was, I was introduced to commercial real estate. At 19 years old, uh, I bought my first property during my, my second year in college. And from there, I grew from there. And, and, and really it was, it was just the exposure, it was the opportunity, it was the having the opportunity to meet people who were successful, um, that I never saw where I grew up. And so from there, I was a sponge. I soaked in all the information and I started buying properties during college. And, and here we are today, um, commercial real estate, where Elevate Commercial, we we own nearly a thousand lots. Um, we own um, industrial, multifamily, and a few other asset classes. And so we, we've been very fortunate and, and we're, we're blessed to have a circle of mentors and, and family and family friends that date back to our college years to give us this opportunity. Wow, man. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's one heck of an intro. 
did not know that, which is why I love doing this podcast. I learned so much and meet like really very, very interesting people I would otherwise never meet like you. Uh, did you say, Dimitri, you guys moved to Palmdale? Is that what you said? Yeah, at a very young age, I moved to Palmdale, California. And, and where I'm from, a lot of my classmates, they define success as sports or entertainment. And so if you were to, able to make it as an athlete, that, that was the focus. Like, Hey, I'm going to be a, you know, NBA player, or NFL player, or I'm going to be an entertainer. And there's a number of people who made it from my area that were NBA players or athletes or et cetera. Paul George and a few other um, athletes. And then also there was, there was entertainers. And so the world of business was foreign to us where we grew up. We, we had no idea that you could buy properties and make money. And so. It wasn't until my change in college where I got exposed to, to families who had an abundance of commercial real estate where, where the opportunity was, was there for myself and my family. Where is Palmdale High Desert? Where's Palmdale? Palmdale High Desert. It's in Los Angeles County. It's about 60 miles north of, of, of Los Angeles, um, in the high desert. And, um, there's two cities, Palmdale, Lancaster. And, um, that's where I grew up. Got it. Okay. And so uh, I, I have to ask, what position did you play in football? <laughs> I was a quarterback. So I've always been a leader my whole life. So I played quarterback two years in college. And in my last two years, I played safety. Very, very cool. Okay. So there you are at Cal Poly. So I got to ask, because that's kind of like a science STEM-ish school, which is like, you know, a, just you know, it's like a crown jewel, the California system for sure. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like ingenious kids go there. What was your major? I was, I was agriculture business. So, um, it was, it was the college of agriculture, but it focused on business. And, um, that, that's, and I was a viniculture minor. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Just curious. These are the questions I asked. So you bought a property when you were 19. What was that property? It was, it was, uh, and every kid dream of buying their parents their first home. So I bought a single family home in Fresno, California from a, from, from a mom. And it was, I went to a, you know, no money down conference and used creative financing. And I was able to buy the house for my mom and she lived there for a number of years. And for me, that was, that was the change. It was like, look, if you can buy a house for your mom and you can, you can change your path. There's something there. There, there, there's a, there's a platform I could build from there. And then. During my college years, I went off and bought another 438 units as an undergrad. And that launched my commercial career. It was first, it was that first house that built the confidence. And then from there, um, started buying multifamily. And then, and here we are today. Dude, that's insane. I have to ask that there's so many of these uh, gurus out there. And it was a while back. Who was the conference? What guy was it? Just out of curiosity. At the time, it was Robert Kiyosaki. There was, was Don Trump, Robert Kiyosaki. And then my current, I would, I would call my mentor friend Scott Shields, and so Robert Kiyosaki was the was the keynote, and and Don Trump was there, and a few other. There's no buyers conference uh, groups or whatnot, but Scott Shields Commercial Property Academy, who I still participate in today, um, was 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 one of the smaller groups at the time that I walked into his room and I joined, and and he's been a mentor to this day. So so it's 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 been a a blessing that I met him during my college years. Hmm. Did I hear you right when you said you bought 438 units while you were still an undergrad? Yes. Yeah, you're nodding your head. Okay. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just climbing back into my seat. And then you said, then you got into multifamily. So am I to then uh, infer that 
it was 438 single families, A, and B, where were they? So the, these were these were multifamilies. These are duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. And then we, we bought a 475 unit multifamily property during that time frame. And then we, we went off and bought a 226 property during that time frame. And so um, this is all during as, as an undergrad. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was buying property and we, we just had a certain knack for, for finding good deals. And, and so that, so we were just, we were just hungry. Um, it was essentially brute force. We were just buying properties and, and learning as we go. And, um, it, it was a unique experience. What were the years of that? This was from 2005 to 2008. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Well, that, that's some reference right there. And then who's the we in the we? At the time I had a, had a college classmate who was my business partner. And, um, and his name was Tomashoff. And so we, we partnered and started, you know, elite investment group and we were buying properties together. And then where were these? These were in the Houston market, the Southeast Houston. Texas, the Houston MSA. Yes. How did you wind up there? We understood the growth of different markets and Houston was a growth market. It was, it was post Katrina. We were the early days of the internet. And so we started looking at growth patterns and we, we chose Houston and, and flew out there and spent a lot of time and started buying property in Houston. And how on earth, well, here's two two part question. How do you come up with the money to buy all those properties and how did you manage them from, you know, San Luis Obispo? Yeah, th- this is, the, and th- th- this is the best part. We, we were young. We didn't, we didn't have no idea what we were doing. We were, we were, we were buying property. A, we had a lot of classmates that came from wealthy families that invested with us. And B, we were learning how to asset manage early on. And so during that time frame, this is where we built the foundation for Elevate Commercial. And, and, and so Elevate Commercial, I'm the sole partner and, and, and operator, but we made a lot of mistakes during that time frame. So you know, can you imagine a 21, 22 year old buying commercial property and not understanding the, the true way to operate these properties. And so we made some mistakes and, and during that time frame, we learned a lot. And so we learned what, what it means to asset management and have investor relations, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, um, yes, we were fortunate and we were successful buying these properties, but we also learned, learned a, a, a lot, a lot of lessons along the way. What would you say the key lessons were? It's a great question, Roger. Um, the, the number one lesson was, Understand the market that you're in. Like today is a mirror image of 2007, 2008. You have the 10 year treasury increasing, you have rates increasing, um, you have you know, inflation, et cetera. And then so what we learned is rather than being aggressive buying properties, be patient and build your organization and be ready for these opportunities over the next 12, 12, 24 months. Because there are a lot of operators who are going to be struggling and we're looking at these distressed opportunities to really grow our company to, to another level. Hey, Street Smart listeners, I'd like to introduce a great partner for you. As you know, insurance is one of the biggest expenses on the P&L. That's why I'm recommending Assured Partners. 
Assured Partners helps you lower risk and therefore can save you tons of money down the road. They insure over 2 million market rate and affordable units and are the sixth largest insurance property broker in the U.S. If you want a roll-your-sleeves-up partner that blankets you with service, give Robert Band, vice president, a call. Robert thinks like a CFO because he was a CFO for many years. Give Robert a call now at 305-467-5909. You'll be glad you did. So there are a lot of operators struggling and A, are you talking about at this point, Dimitri, in mobile home parks? And B, uh, struggling, meaning they're underwater. What does that, what does that mean exactly as it pertains to where we're, we're yeah. mid September 2022? Yeah, Roger, great question. Um, so we've seen in a unique, um, growth in manufactured housing and just commercial real estate, but property values, uh, people have paid a premium for these properties over the last few years. We know, we know that. And some assets are worthy of these, of, of the price points. And some people are overpaying, they're reaching. And because they, they, there's a lot of capital in the economy and people are buying these properties and doesn't mean they're a great operator. They're buying these properties. I was that guy back in 2008. We had access to capital. We we're buying properties. Fast forward to, to, to today, we realize that some of these assets are overvalued and we're going to be patient. And, and there's some people who are buying these assets that are not operators. And they're, they're basing their, their thesis or their, their business plan on rent growth. And you're not going to see the same rent growth. And so we're, we're sitting back waiting for these opportunities where people are distressed. They're going to, you know, walk away from these assets and, and we'll step in and, and operate them. And so we built our platform based on this future market that we're facing, which, which is distressed operators and, and people who are, are not prepared for this market. Are you seeing this kind of, and, and it makes all the sense in the world what you're describing. Are you seeing distress now? I'm just curious because it's a fascinating topic, obviously. Are you seeing it now? You see, you're starting to see little signs of it now or you, and or you just know this thing is going to be a blank storm in the next, you know, 12 to 24-ish months? Yeah, great question, Roger. Uh, we're seeing signs now. There's operators that we see in, our, in the markets that we're in that are getting pushback from their residents on rent growth because they've relied on, you know, 10%, 20% rent growth and it's just not there. Um, number two, we see operators that are buying properties that this is not their core business. So they're, they may be, uh, professionals in other industries and they're buying manufactured housing and you have to understand how to operate these properties. And it's not just from operation. It's understanding the social challenges that come with this industry. A, a lot of our resident base, we pride ourselves on. How do you improve the financial condition of these residents? Number one, um, we, we focus on, on, on credit score improvement. We focus on financial intelligence. Uh, we focus on a number, a number of factors that a lot of operators don't, don't look at. Number two, how do you improve and turn a property from a manufacturer home community or, or, or mobile home park into a community? And that's, that's our secret sauce. We focus on building communities. And if you don't have that experience or knowledge, to, to take these manufactured housing or what we call mobile parks and create communities, you're going to struggle. And so because you have to improve the social challenges within a community, change the culture, look for growth mindset residents. And this is how you can operate during a tough time because you created residents who look at, look at this as a path to home ownership. And we're a big proponent of how do you create opportunities for our residents 
where they feel the value, they understand the, the path they're going and say, ultimately, we're going to have home ownership, um, not just a manufactured home, but single family residence. And so there's a unique structure that we focus on in this industry that we feel that we have a competitive advantage compared to the others. I'm going to take a step back just for clarity in, in your, um, you know, you've been forthright about kind of, you know, what it was like being a really a kid, a student acquiring all those properties in Houston and you didn't know what you were doing. And, uh, I have been guilty of the same thing and paid a, paid a very, very steep price on more than one occasion. But this is about you, not about me. So here's the question, you know, come 08, uh, did you end up losing any properties? Yeah. So we, we, in 08, we gave two properties back to the bank. And then I spent the next three or four years paying back all my investors. And so I knew that it was a challenging time. Um, and that experience built who we are today because number one, all of our investors understand that we actually personally paid them back. Number two, we learned what not to do. And then we learned how to build a, a sustainable organization from there. So if I did not go through the experience in 2007 and eight, there will be no Elevate commercial today. So we're, we're, we're not excited about that, that experience, but we're also thankful for that tough lesson because it built our organization we are today. Yeah. Uh, well, I've heard that, that failure is a better teacher than success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't trade it for yeah. anything. It, it was the best experience because it, it allows us to, it allowed us to thrive in today's market and it will allow us to weather the storm and build and grow during this next market that we're walking into. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. Dimitri, so you're talking about like, these aren't the exact words, but well, the exact words were social challenges and then, you know, filling that out a little bit and recapping, you know, helping people get, you know, improve their credit scores, get some financial literacy, et cetera, et cetera. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked this. I mean, this is a, this is what we're passionate about. Because I look at every resident and say I was that kid. And so I can relate because I was that kid. I didn't live in manufactured housing, but we dealt with the same socioeconomic challenges a lot of our residents when I was a child. And so number one, we focus on improving the financial health of our residents. That's through a partnership through ASUSU. We're the only manufactured housing community operator in the U.S. that, that works with ASUSU. ASUSU is an organization to help, to help residents build their credit scores. So when a resident pay their rent, it reports their credit as an on-time payment and therefore it helps improve their credit score. If they pay late, it does not report. So it's a positive forward-thinking concept of helping our residents improve their credit scores. And so portfolio-wide, over the last six months, our average resident increased their credit score 41 points. And so number That's one is, is, is building more stability within our residents. I appreciate it. And number two, it's creating um, the and helping develop the financial intelligence of our residents. And, and through that model, um, we have a number of organizations that we work with. But more importantly, we help our residents make better decisions. If a resident has the opportunity and, and they're, they're building a business, we do a contest. And, and once a year uh, for each of our communities, we, we give an opportunity for our residents to earn a prize of, of seed money that we help invest into their business, help them build their company and, and start investing into themselves. And number three, we, we, we provide the content. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, audiobooks is free to all of our residents. So, so we encourage our residents to take advantage of the free audiobooks um, to improve their financial literacy. And then our staff is taught to help 
share and develop this concept with our residents. And so we're a big believer in manufactured housing. Um, it is personal property. Um, people look at personal property as things that, 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 you know, decrease in value. But we teach our residents, if you take care of your community, if you build a community and you improve your, your, your property, then you can sell these homes for a lot more money. And so we track how many residents are selling their homes and buying single family residents. And that's a virtue of, of actually taking a B class community, improving the quality of it, encourage all of our residents to actually you know, take care of their lawns, take care of their, their exterior of their homes. And as a result, we're, we're selling homes for a lot higher price than we bought the property for. And, and, and our residents could actually take that money and go buy houses. Are you, are most of your homes or most of the properties or communities, are they, are they then park owned or as opposed to resident owned? Resident, our whole model is built around resident home communities. And so occasionally we acquire park owned homes or lease owned, lease to own proper, uh, homes. And so we immediately focus on selling these homes to the residents. So our model is we want to own the infrastructure, provide the resources, but we do not want to own the manufacturer home itself. And so occasionally okay. we, we inherit these situations, but we are hyper-focused on through low interest loans and creating a path to home ownership of these uh, manufacturer homes to our residents. Okay. So let me clarify because I'm, there's a, my synapses are not firing, uh, Dimitri this morning. Are you saying that what you're trying to do is getting your residents who own their manufactured homes to get them to the next level of owning a single family home outside of the park? What am I missing? Correct. And it okay. sounds unique. Right. That's so I'm not missing doing, anything. They, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're not missing All anything. Right. Yeah. Because we know that if they sell their home, let's say John buys his home for $20,000, he invests into his home. Collectively, the community is improving. He sells his home for $40,000. It happens in our communities. John has $40,000 to go buy a house. The person moving in is most likely, if they're paying $40,000 for a home, they're most likely going to invest in back into improving the property, the lot itself. As a result, we have a, 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 a more sustainable community. And as a result, John, who sold his home, has bought a house. He tells his neighbors, hey, Dimitri, I, I sold my property at my home for $40,000 and I was able to accomplish my dream. And so that in our communities, that people hear about that. They say, hey, John sold his house for $40,000. I can sell my house for $40,000. I want to buy a house. And so we are encouraging our residents to, hey, our, our success is defined on improving your financial literacy and building equity. Your number one source of net worth in this, in this social economic class is your, your home. And so we encourage our residents to say, if you find an opportunity to sell your home, because you're a testimonial for us, if you buy a house, I can go back to the next, next, next resident who's moving in and say, Hey, John sold his house for X, he bought a house. We are creating a path to home ownership within our communities. So if you move into our community to cure your home, we have a growth mindset culture. You're going to improve your life. And, and so that's contagious compared to other operators who are saying, Hey, move in here. We're going to increase your rent. We're going to, we're going to exploit you. We're going to disrespect you. It's just a whole different concept. And, and our communities are high demand compared to our competition. Got it. What does the management infrastructure look like on a per community basis look like? Yeah. Great, great question. Our, our model is management is evolving in today's economy, whereas we, we budget 5% of operations for management. And so our management infrastructure is not necessarily based on per unit. It's based on a number of, of 5% of, of gross revenue. 
And so our managers, it, it, it equates to about one manager for every 150 lots. What I'm wondering is how on earth, and not to be a devil's advocate, it's not the point, but what you're describing is really, you know, mission driven, socially conscious, like a, like a fantastic, you know, it's fantastic, right? You're really trying to help elevate the, the, frankly, the lives of your residents and their children and their children's children. What I'm wondering is how does one person, you know, who, who is managing a hundred to 150 pads, how do, how do they, how does one person, how do you impart these values and these sensitivities in this education to these residents? That's what I'm trying to figure out just logistically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it comes down to systems, right? So number one, as new residents move in, we screen. We have the, the, the traditional criteria. We also were screening for a growth mindset. We're looking for residents who have a growth mindset. And so that, that's the key is screening who moves into your communities. And number two, we unfortunately part ways with residents who don't fit our culture. And, and so we say, Hey, this is, you know, you do not want to take your lawn. You have no, um, motivation um, to do X, Y, Z. As a result, we encourage you to sell your home. And and so residents move out. So, so number one, it, it becomes a culture, a community when you part ways with residents who have don't have the same mindset. And number two, you screen very aggressively who moves in. And so therefore, as a, as, as a, as a collective, it's less stress on our managers because we have, we're building the right culture within our communities of who, who moves in our communities. Here's an interesting, just an aside. I'm going to take a, uh, a little bit of a tangent. It was fascinating to me. And I just know this from a little bit of background. I know you've, you know, acquired some parks in Cleveland, which is fascinating to me because that's where I'm from, which is kind of oh, uh, nice. the Fresno. Yeah. Which is kind of like the Fresno of the Midwest. Not really, but you know what I mean. Um, so yeah. How, 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 <laughs> so, 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 so how did you wind up in Cleveland with parks there? And, you know, how's that going? It's the relationships. I mean, number one, we had a, a broker who was a good colleague, a friend who was listing a property in Cleveland. Number two, I talk about mentors. My mentor who introduced me to commercial real estate 20 years ago is based in, in the Cleveland MSA, Lake County. And so, Upon visiting him, the way I was able to build a relationship is a further relationship is buying property in his backyard. Because so give me a reason to meet up with. Him. And so we realized uh, Lake County, Ohio, which is which is a suburb of Cleveland on the east east side, is one of the wealthier communities in the United States. Is one of the more undervalued communities. And so because of the relationships of our mentor, he had a number of retail centers and other commercial assets in the market. We felt comfortable buying in, in that market. And so we, we look at major MSAs that are growing, that have job opportunities and it has low cost of living. And so those are the areas that we focus on. So Cleveland's a big area, um, Columbus, Ohio, Boise, Idaho. And so we're hyper focused on certain communities and we, 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 we try to stay where there's an MSA that has population growth, that has a number of, of highly educated, um, resident base and that's our focus what would you say your bigger challenges that you're dealing with right now the biggest challenges is labor um we are collectively in society labor has gone up significantly and and so it has changed our model so traditionally we look at five percent of revenue 
support management. And we've had an increase at the seven, seven and a half percent to get the right talent. So number one is management. Like we, you're a reflection of your, your team. And so we're hyper focused on building our team. So that's a challenge in, in, in our environment. Um, number two is, um, the cost of homes. There's, there was a surcharge and the cost of a home or the cost to even move a home and set it up. And so that's a, that's a challenge. There's, there's only so much a resident could pay in rent or buy in a manufacturer home. And so our, 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 our key focus is how can we bring in quality homes that are $60,000 or less? And so the last two years have put a, put a, a challenge, you know, we were put in a position where we had to make different decisions. So we started buying more used homes and adjusting our model to bring in used homes and remodeling the homes. And now prices are coming back down to normal. And so now we're now buying, we're now buying brand new homes. Huh. If I'm going to attempt to put myself in your position and you said that you're the, uh, you're the managing partner and sole owner, which is out, just incredible. And I'm out acquiring these parks and I've been told just through other, you know, other podcasts, what have you, that it's hard getting people that know how to manage a mobile home park, which stands to reason because how many people have, have experience aren't, there aren't doesn't, you know, so they're not like single family homes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm putting myself in your position, I'm thinking, it would drive me insane managing the asset, managing these properties just because it that aspect alone. So how do you, how do you respond to, to that statement, but intended to be a question? Yeah. Great question, Roger. I come from the multifamily background in operations. And so I took the skill set from institution size operations and manufacturer and multifamily and applied it to manufacturer housing, but understood that you don't have your traditional third party managers like multifamily. So you have to develop a team. So number one, we look at, do we, can we hire? Most of our managers do not have experience in property management. So we develop our managers. So we have a great uh, regional manager who has a, a strong experience in multifamily. And then as a team, we train, develop our, red, or our managers to understand number one, the culture of our vision and social impact. Number two, understand that we have to enforce community rules and regulations. And number three, we teach them certain, it's the best word to use. We teach them how to understand the flexibility and, and, and the, the numbers and economics behind the deal. So if our manager are learning about the money mechanics of life, they can better manage their properties. And, and so, so what we saw as a challenge in the industry is a lot of times people had hired managers and they're like, Hey, she, she deposited my rents or he deposited my rents and that's it. We realize in order to develop and build a community of sustainability, you have to teach and teach your managers about money mechanics. So we're encouraging our managers um, to understand, you know, the financial statements, the, the T12s, understanding the T3, understanding you know, what we look for as far as gross potential rent, loss of lease. So we develop and train our managers to understand the same money mechanics that we live by, because if you could teach your manager these concepts, you're going to have a more sustainable community because they understand the money mechanics of life. And that's important for us. And so we spent a lot of time training, developing our managers on understanding the money mechanics, making better financial decisions. And and then, and then what does a renewal mean? If we increase rent $25, what does that mean from a valuation standpoint? So we base everything on price per square foot or evaluation um, for a property and our managers uh, usually start off slower, but once they understand the concept, it's rocket fuel. 
And, and so we're a big component of creating that rocket fuel for our managers. One of the things that's pretty impressive about you and your story is that you have relied on uh, mentors. And I know that mentorship is huge in real estate, but a lot of, a lot of people think, Hey, you know, I know how to do this on my, I'll, I'll figure it out on my own. And so my yeah. question is, have you relied on mentors that, that, um, are in this mobile home park space to kind of help you kind of indoctrinate and, you know, get up to speed? And you've been doing it for a bunch of years now, but you know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's operators that are, that are even further seasoned than we are. And so we, I built a community of, of trust and we lean on them for mentorship. And so we, we call the Eli's from Bovida and et cetera. And, and we become friends. We share our secret sauce and operations or tax strategies in certain states. And as a result, they share their infrastructure knowledge and, and their experience and how they built their team. And so collectively, we, we realize, yes, we are competing for similar properties from time to time. But ultimately, we're all trying to do the right thing and, and improve resident lives. And so as a result, we share ideas with one another. And so there's, there's, there's really good friends. Like Bovita has 20 plus thousand units. And, and we, 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 we definitely keep in contact with Eli and learn from him and, and share ways we can help him out. When you're acquiring a, a, a community, how do you negotiate the price? Yeah, we, we, we strictly look at NOI. I mean, a big thing for us is, is a good quality asset. Um, we're, we're not chasing, we, we are, our motto is the last mile. We're not chasing heavy value add opportunities. We like operators, whether they're mom and pops or, or smaller groups that are selling properties that are 80, or, you know, 90 plus percent occupied and we can step in and just operate it more efficiently. And, and so we look at that last mile as an opportunity to increase the NOI growth in our deals. And then number two, you know, there's a lot of groups buying value add deals where they where they're 50% occupied deals. That's just not our model. We realize it takes so much energy, it's underestimated what it takes to to lease up a vacant community. And so our strategy is that we'll do the last mile. If you're at 85, 90%, we'll buy it um, in great markets, great infrastructure, and then we'll improve the quality of the assets by changing the culture. And so people under pre underestimate how the culture change could lead to higher collections, um, to lead to less resistance when you do a rent increase. Um, it leads to a better quality community and then more desirable. And so internally, uh, we improve the price of these, of these, what we call personal property by really being hyper focused on the, on the condition of our communities. And so that's our model. And, and, and as a result, uh, we, we have this, we call it our secret sauce and operations. So we could buy from mom and pop operators. And, and really extract value that is under, that that's not being extracted. And so we, we know there's opportunity to extract value when deals that people may consider are stabilized because of our efficiencies and operations and our culture that we build our residents. Would you say, you know, just to go right for the jugular here is the bulk of the, and I hear what you say loud and clear and it makes a ton of sense, right? Cause yeah, it's gotta be, it's, it's incredible brain damage going from 50% to try and getting it up to 90% occupancy. Like I totally understand that is the lion's share of the value add where the rubber meets the road in terms of your uh, formula is just acquiring a mon pod community that is just way under market rent. Yeah. And, and we, we do not exploit our residents. So rent, inc- rent growth is important in our industry. Like that, that is the biggest number one factor of, of NOI growth. However, we do not exploit our residents by going and giving 20, 30%, 40%, 50% rent, rent increases. 
And so you can do that gradually over time, but really it's, it's the intangibles. It's, can you reduce your, a lot of people model out 1% delinquency, but true delinquency is higher than 1%. And so how can we improve and reduce that rent delinquency? How can we, if a resident's facing eviction because of non-payment rent, can we help develop that resident to sell their home so that, so that they, someone else moves in that can afford it, but that resident profits. And so how do we create that culture? That's a, that's a, that the culture you create in these communities is so underappreciated in the value, in, in the value creation that people just focus on, I'm going to increase rents and that's my growth. But we are looking at how do we reduce expenses? We're building back water, sewer and trash. How can we renegotiate with our vendors and scale in certain communities and reduce the cost of expenses? So therefore, if we build back water for $25, we may reduce, reduce it to $20. That $5 makes a difference. And so we're hyper-focused on the numbers and the intangibles of how do we reduce the cost of living for our residents as we gradually increase rents and then, and then how do our residents understand what we're doing so they buy into it. And as a result, we, we have this compound growth because the NOI is increasing less collection loss. Uh, we, we make money when we do take back homes from time to time. We'll replenish that money by selling the home for a lot more money. Um, we, when our residents sell their homes, when people are encouraged to sell their homes, we might get a 15% rent growth just from someone selling their homes because they were paying $400. The next person's paying 500 bucks. And so because we increase the value of their home, they sell their home and we get a substantially increase in rent from a new resident coming in. And so that's our model of saying, Hey, we can reduce our loss of lease by encouraging our residents to sell their homes and profit and move on and a new person moving in pay a higher dollar amount. So I'm going to wind this all the way back to where we started. And, uh, you know, you were a, a really successful football player athlete. And, um, you know, you, you were eloquent the way you described kind of that, you know, your dad was the janitor at the school you went to as a kid. So the question is this is what is it inside of you? Do you attribute your success to? It's my parents. Uh, you know, my, I was encouraged at a young age to go to, to take education seriously, use sports as a platform for opportunity. And so you got to think about it. If you were cleaning toilets, your own, that you would, like, from your classmates, that has to be a motivating factor. Like, I don't want to be cleaning these toilets. And so I was driven at a young age. I just needed the vehicle to drive and commercial real estate was that vehicle. And I, and, and I become a student of, the, of that game because I do not want to go back to cleaning toilets or, or I don't want my children to see that. And so, so that, that experience really built the foundation who I am today because I am driven. And, and so irregardless of what we face in society, it can't be worse than what I deal with. And so that's where my, fo- my focus is, Hey, where did you come from? I was that kid. I, I really focus in on I was that kid and I'm driven to not be that kid again. And so um, in summary, I'm driven because of my past experiences, what I've seen. And then as a result, I'm hyper-focused on building a sustainable company and collectively build a platform that understands and help others change their course of life also along the way. Very interesting. Wow. I, you look, you, you and I have kind of gone round and round with your busy schedule and, and trying to get you on this podcast. And uh, here it is a Saturday morning. That's what it took. 
And uh, what a great conversation. <laughs> I, I, I very much appreciate it. If one were to want to get a hold of you and kind of learn more about what you're doing and um, engage and maybe participate, how, how would they get a hold of you? Absolutely. Um, so, so number one, you know, my, my mobile number, my open book, it's, uh, and I'll share it post-call, but it's, it's area code 661-547-9567. Uh, my email address is, is D, as in Dimitri Booker, at elevate-commercial.com. And, uh, and then also um, social media, right? D Booker Jr. for uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, and, and, and I'm pretty responsive at, as far as responding to inquiries and whatnot. And we're just looking for people who, who understand what we're doing. Um, they, they like manufactured housing because it's a stable investment in this economy. They are going to get their, their PREF return. Our model is our investors are number one. And so um, those who are interested in investing are also learning more about our model. Um, we're, we're happy to share. Um, we're, 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 we're definitely looking for people who have the same mindset, who want to make money, but also make a change in people's lives. Got it. So, uh, the, you know, it's a rhetorical question. Well, I, I'll just make it as a statement. Your, your, your parents have to be, if your parents are still around, have to be just blown away and over the moon with uh, what you've achieved. Yeah. My, 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 for example, my, my father loves visiting our communities um, because for him, he engages and talks to residents and, and residents understand that we're genuine. And so it's unique to have my dad walk around and you know, within an hour, 20 residents know my dad. <laughs> and so it, it, it's mm-hmm. a family atmosphere and we understand the, the importance of that. But ultimately, my dad was like, this is what we, we expected you to, to do great things in society and, and also make a living for yourself. And so um, it's just a blessing for him to see it and, and experience it. Is your mom still around? She's not around. She's not around, but she was part of his early growth. And so she was a big influence in what we do. And, and so she, I mean, so she, is she that she, she's not alive. She, she passed away in, six, okay. in 2016, but she was a big part of my growth. And, and so she, under, we talked in deep detail of, of what we're building. And, and so she is part of the framework that we have today. All right, man. Well, listen, you have a great uh, weekend and uh, thanks for making the time. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate the time and opportunity. This is great. Okay. Bye.